Well, Sunday night, we begin the the new year, 5783. It would be called Peg Gimel, is that what it's called. And so as Rosh Hashanah occurs, or Rosh Hashanah, it, it sets the stage for something new. And it's never happened before. There's never been... Uh, a 5783. This is the only one ever. <laughs> and, you know, the Holy Spirit is going to be so significant about how he moves this year. And that seems odd to say. But then we, you have to say, you know, he says that where two more gathered, he is there. And there's a difference of his presence within the congregation. So there's a lot of things that we don't understand the full depth of, and I certainly would tell you, I certainly have no idea the other things about this. We can come back in a year and talk and look and back and we'll have a perfect understanding of what this all meant. But I wanted to give you one last side of Gimel. This is the three. The pictograph's a very important part of the language, the Hebrew language, and it's a picture of a camel. So, and I've talked about that just a little bit. There's good and bad of that particular symbol. Hebrew word for camel is gamal and means to be lifted up, you know, so because, you know, when you sit on a camel, you're way, way up. The root of the word is is pride. <laughs> That's literally the word for pride. And uh, because you lift up your strength, you're exalted, you're arrogant. And every word, well, at least six of the words for pride, most of them begin with gimel. So there is that. So you have to be very mindful this year. And I just wanted to give you this last kind of uh, to tie the bow on it to say, you know, it's really up to us how we engage. God has good things for us. Sometimes hard things and sometimes challenging things, but they're good. Mm. But sometimes we can walk into those things. We can pick our own road, our own way. And even though we're trying to serve God at the same time, we end up with just such a mess. And so we do need to understand that. So I wanted to give you a couple of the, as I said, the, uh, the other side of the camel, the wrong side of the camel. So the story of Rachel I think is going to be key this year. Now, she's the beloved girl who Jacob worked a total of 14 years mm. to marry. Oh, my goodness. But here's the thing about Rachel. She's not buried with Jacob at, at Hebron. She's buried right where she died, giving birth to Benjamin, alongside the road by Bethlehem Ephrathah, 14 miles from Hebron. Now, they took the bones of Joseph from Egypt <laughs> to, mm -hmm. to bury him. But Jacob never took her 14 miles to bury her. Yeah. Instead, he's buried with that other woman that uh, was like the consolation prize. So after Jacob worked 20 years for Rachel's father, Laban, it was time for the family to leave, and they did during the night. But while packing, Rachel stole her father Laban's precious household idols. Laban chases him, catches him, and confronts him. Jacob knew nothing about it. He's going, what? With whomever you find your gods, they shall not live. Well, it turns out Rachel, was, who's probably pregnant and therefore unclean, had put the idols in her camel's saddle and sat on them. And so she said to her father when he was searching everywhere, I cannot rise before you for the manner of women is with me. And he searched everywhere else but did not find the household idols. So the idols in question here, don't just hear the word idol. Oh, yeah, a little idol. They were an abomination called teraphim. They were mummified heads of their ancestors, and people would talk to them, and supposedly they would talk back. Essentially, they were inhabited by demons. Sadly, that was not uncommon. Uh, David's wife, Michal, the daughter of King Saul, had them as well. Mm -hmm. They came the first, they found them in Jericho, the, one the, the first Canaanite city. So 
These are bad things, and this is what Rachel went to get to bring with her into the, the new plans of God. So while Rachel's lies and treachery worked, she hadn't counted on the curse from Jacob, with whomever you find your gods, they shall not live. So at this point in the story, Jacob wrestles with God, meets Esau, reconciles with him. God changes Jacob's name to Israel, and then they arrive at their destination, and apparently Jacob has found these idols. And he says, Jacob said to his household, and all to her with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, buried them there by Shechem. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, or, or Bethlehem, Rachel labored in childbirth, and she had hard labor, and so it was as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Benomi, son of my sorrow, but his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem, and Jacob set a pillar on her grave. So... Jacob wrestles with this pre-incarnate Jesus who changed his name and heart so much that he gave his fortune to his brother Esau. But Rachel was still hoping to hear from dead skulls, her lonely grave not far from where her destiny was and, and mm. run is a reminder that those who hold on to their father's sins will forfeit the inheritance that God has set apart for them. One of the more disturbing things about the story is that Rachel, who obsessed over these talking dead skulls was venerated after she died by many Jews in the same way Mary is venerated by many Catholics. People started praying to Rachel. And when the Jews were taken into captivity, they stacked stones on her grave for her to remember them and pray for them. If you go to Jerusalem, you'll see they still stack stones on the graveyard, uh, of the gravestones. Mm. And that's where that originally comes from. Not all of them think of it from that focus, but that's still where that comes from. So, my point for this year, don't misfocus your affections on money or things, your image, unfulfilled desires, or what you think you deserve. Don't put your hope on what scheming, manipulation, and traditions can provide. Don't lie. Watch what you say and the curses that come out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm sure Jacob would love to have that one back. Pray to God, not dead people. That seems simple, right? Mm. All right. Also, we're talking camels, and that was the idols under the camel, or her, her saddle. Camels are rope. Matthew 19, 24 says, And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. All right. The Aramaic <laughs> word for camel is written identically to the word for rope. A mistranslated word occurred due to the translator's limitations when the original Aramaic scrolls were being transferred into Greek. When the ancient Syriac New Testament was translated into English, it provided lots of insights when idioms occur uh, that are unique to Aramaic. And so it should be translated, it's easier for a rope to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The point remains, little, though. Little I detail. Mean, yeah. Also impossible for a camel. But <laughs> comfortable traditions and false expectations can be very disruptive. Yeah. They can cause us to miss clear directives and warnings from the Holy Spirit. Be watchful for walking in the errors of others this year. Mm, that's, that's just good. another camel thing. All right. First Kings 17 tells the story of Elijah raising a child from the dead. And Elijah stretched himself out on the child three times, that's Gimel, three times, and cried out to Jehovah and said, Oh, Jehovah, my God, I pray this child's soul comes back to him. Then Jehovah heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. This is the first resurrection from the dead recorded in Scripture. No one had ever seen a dead person raised to life again. But Elijah prays, listens to the Holy Spirit, and stretches himself on this body of the dead child 
three times. I mean, who thought that one up? Would you? Here's a dead body. Let me lay on it three times. That'll work. <laughs> no, that's somewhere had to come from God, right? First, this year, believe God for the impossible. God wants to answer a prayer. Scripture says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was righteous before God. He prayed earnestly, and God heard and answered his prayer. Somehow, Elijah was able to not allow the sight of death affect his faith. We can't allow the sight of what we're facing to affect our faith either. If you feel like your prayer is being stretched, press in and trust that God is stretching you so you can reach further. Psalm 119 is an acrostic. It's a massively long psalm. It's separated into 22 sections. You know why? Mm -hmm. Each section is titled with the letter of the alphabet. Yeah. It has 22 letters. Each section has eight verses. That's why it's a massively long psalm. It's, a, it's, a, it's literally a song. The first word of each verse begins with Gimel in this section for, for this one. And the eight verses in the acrostic under the letter Gimel hint at things that are provided and removed, which is Gimel. So here's this verse. Deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Deal bountifully being Gimel. The first one's the word. Open my eyes. That's Gimel. That I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger, that's Gimel, in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks, breaks is Gimel, with longing for your judgment at all times. You rebuke, that's Gimel, the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove, again Gimel, from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your testimonies. Princes also, the word also there is Gimel, sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes your testimonies also, again, that's Gimel, are my delight and my counselors. So my point of this, you can go through and dig through it, but don't be sidetracked with what that princes are sitting speaking against me. Your testimonies are my delight. So don't be sidetracked with what even great people say. Mm. God's testimonies are the best counselor. So those are some of the thoughts on Gimel and what I think where we're headed to in 5783. Wow. And that's Rosh Hashanah.